A widely held belief of academia is that a sociological mindset founded in the Holy Scriptures has no foundation in academic truth. A minister once told me that the first five books of the Bible were not a historical record of God's creation or of his commandments to mankind and Israel in particular or a reliable record of God's supernatural intervention with humans. He said that the first five books, in fact, were just fairy tales. Much of the Christian clergy has long vacated any position that even remotely resembles God and his inerrant word. God said man said has no denominational affiliation. We are not Catholic or Protestant, but we are the seed of Abraham, which precedes both groups, and that seed is Christ. God said man said is dedicated to the defense of the word of God. We have welcomed all challengers, but have yet to find a refuter who could stand. When confronted with an answer and a counter-challenge, those who challenge simply disappear. The word of God is true and righteous altogether. Are you born again? Are you ready to make the most important decision of your life? Today is your day of salvation. Click on the Further with Jesus. You can do it immediately. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Man said, We just popped out of nothing, and here we are. Man also believes Buddha's statement, No origin can be perceived. Now the record. Was there really a beginning spoken into existence by a holy and supernatural God? Is there a record left in the earth? Was there light before the sun? Is the earth just over 6,000 years old? Was the atmospheric structure different in the beginning? Was there a literal garden of Eden? Does DNA testing certify one original mother and one original father? Is it conceivable that man is made out of dirt? Was all of creation once vegetarian? Is the seven-day creation week simply a theological construct? Was there a serpent that beguiled Eve? Did that serpent once walk upright on legs? What about the cherubims? Can the reality of these things be established? The answer is yes. A record exists in the earth. This is part one of a four-part series that will establish the credibility of the God of the majority text Bible beyond any reasonable doubt. Much of this information is already written in various featured subjects. We will extract samples from God Said, Man Said's present content and update it with new information. This week's subject is number 300, and this number grows by one God willing every Thursday evening. May the face of the Lord shine upon you with light and truth. Be free to believe. God said, let there be light on the very first day of the six days of creation. It wasn't until the fourth day that he created the sun, moon, and stars. Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Are scientists coming to the reality of this truth? In regard to the order of the creation of the universe, the following quote was found in Science Digest. A.G.W. Cameron, a Goddard Institute lecturer and a professor at Yeshiva University in New York, suggests that the creation of the solar system 
might have occurred in a matter of a few thousand years. Indeed, he suggests it might have taken place so rapidly that the earth and some of the planets could have formed shortly before the sun did, which in view of traditional thought is a revolutionary proposal, end of quote. The professor is getting close, but instead of the solar system possibly occurring in a few thousand years, it was created in one heavy-duty, 24-hour Holy Ghost day. The following statement was found in American Scientist in an article by V.F. Uh, uh, Weisskopf, who at the time was Professor Emeritus and former head of physics at MIT. He said, Indeed, the Judeo-Christian tradition describes the beginning of the world in a way that is surprisingly similar to the scientific model. Previously, it seemed scientifically unsound to have light created before the sun. The present scientific view does indeed assume the early universe to be filled with various kinds of radiation long before the sun was created, end of quote. The Word of God teaches light before the sun. Does scientific research point to this biblical truth? There is a record left in the earth and sky above. Was there a beginning? The genealogical and chronological records of the Bible declare an earth just over 6,000 years of age. Of course, there are the multitudinous mentions of the millions and billions that contradict the Word of God, but when the contenders are placed under close scrutiny, they collapse. There are 107 processes and scientific measurements listed in P.S. Taylor's Origins Answers book that shout young earth, and it in itself is not an exhaustive list. Taylor's research covers subjects from short-period comets, the shrinking sun, and interstellar dust to earth's oxygen, the rapid rate of soil and rock erosion, and human population growth. A foundational tenet of evolution theory in old-age evolutionary theology is a concept known as uniformitarianism, which is central to the billions-of-years hypothesis. The defining slogan of uniformitarianism is the present is the key to the past. Its premise is that all things since the beginning of time have transpired at the same basic uniform rate. Morse defines it as follows. There have never been episodes occurring in the past of a dramatically different rate or character than processes possible today, end of quote. The uniformitarians have made two false and ultimately, for many, fatal assumptions. One, they assume that God did not create earth 6,000 years ago. If they would have visited Adam 30 seconds after God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, they would have assumed he and the earth had history when they had recently been created out of that which is invisible. There was no history that spanned billions of years. Two, uniformitarianism, by its definition, must reject the catastrophic worldwide flood when God opened the windows of heaven and broke up all the fountains of the great deep, destroying all with breath in their nostrils except those in Noah's Ark. They reject the flood, even though the empirical evidence is monumental. These two positions of unbelief built into their dating formulas, etc., give the false ages of millions and billions of years. The following statement was made by evolutionist F.B. Juniman in Industrial Research and Development. It reads, The age of our globe is presently thought to be some 4.5 billion years based on radio decay rates of uranium and thorium. Such confirmation may be short-lived as nature is not to be discovered quite so easily. There has been in recent years the horrible realization that radio decay rates are not as constant as previously thought, 
nor are they immune to environmental influences. And this could mean that the atomic clocks are reset during some global disaster, and events which brought the Mesozoic to a close may not be 65 million years ago, but rather within the age and memory of man, end of quote. But know this, evidence continues to pour in that debunks the millions and billions crowd. The following excerpts are from a 1992 article in Creation Ex Nilo, Volume 14, under the title, Fresh Dinosaur Bones Found. Scientists at the University of Montana were shocked when they found T-Rex bones that were not totally fossilized. Not only were the bones not fossilized, but they appeared to have blood cells, which would be impossible if they were millions of years old. The following is part of the report issued by the scientists. A thin slice of T-Rex bone glowed amber beneath the lens of my microscope, the lab filled with murmurs of amazement, for I had focused on something inside the vessels that none of us had ever noticed before. Tiny, round objects, translucent red with a dark center, red blood cells? The shape and location suggested them, but blood cells are mostly water and couldn't possibly have stayed preserved in the 65-million-year-old Tyrannosaur. The bone sample that had us so excited came from a beautiful, nearly complete specimen of Tyrannosaurus rex unearthed in 1990. When the team brought the dinosaur into the lab, we noticed that some parts deep inside the long bone of the leg had not completely fossilized. So far, we think that all of this evidence supports the notion that our slices of T-Rex could contain preserved hemi as uh, hemoglobin fragments. But more work needs to be done before we are confident enough to come right out and say, yes, T-Rex has blood compounds left in its tissues. In another effort to make fossils speak in new ways, postgraduate student Mary Schweitzer has been trying to extract DNA from the bones of T-Rex. Originally like Christie, she had intended to thin section the bones and conduct a histological investigation. But under the microscope, there appeared to be blood cells preserved within the bone tissue. Mary conducted a number of tests in an attempt to rule out the possibility that what she had discovered were in fact blood cells. The test instead confirmed her initial interpretation. Author, popular lecturer, and broadcaster Ken Ham weighed in with the following comment on this subject. These red blood cells provide excellent evidence that these fossils are not millions of years old, but are no more than a few thousand years old, end of quote. Research scientist Mary Schweitzer, now of North Carolina State University, surfaces again in a 2005 issue of Science Cited in Creation. Excerpts follow. In the September-November 2005 Creation magazine, excerpts from March 25, 2005 issue of Science were published, followed by Creation's comments. Under the heading, Dino Soft Tissue Find, was found the following. A research team led by Mary Schweitzer of North Carolina State University has discovered the remarkable preservation of soft cellular tissues inside several T-Rex and other dinosaur bones. They observed dinosaur blood vessels, still flexible and elastic after 68 million years and apparently intact cells. Science Journal recaptured the evident excitement and disbelief of the researchers at the time of their discovery. Back in the lab, Schweitzer and her technician demineralized the dinosaur skeleton fragments as the fossil dissolved, transparent vessels were left behind. It was totally shocking, Schweitzer said. I didn't believe it until we'd done it 17 times. 
Unfortunately, such is the dominance of the long-age paradigm that facts alone won't readily overturn it. Their discoveries are actually immensely powerful evidence that dinosaur fossils are not millions of years old at all, but were mostly fossilized under catastrophic conditions a few thousand years ago at most. Note that Dr. Schweitzer and her team justifiably identified the flexible branching structures in the T-Rex bone as blood vessels. But such soft tissue should not be there if the bones are as old as they claim. End of quote. A research initiative called RATE, which stands for Radioisotopes in the Age of the Earth, was launched in 1997 jointly by the Institute for Creation Research, the Creation Research Society, and Answers in Genesis. RATE's team of highly accredited scientists have published another major blow to the camp of the evolutionists. These following excerpts are from an article published in the December 2003 issue of Impact, which carried vital articles uh, on uh, science and creation. The title of this article is, New Rate Data Support a Young Earth. The first excerpt reads, New experiments done this year for the Rate Project strongly support a young earth. This article updates results announced in an ICR Impact article last year and documented at a technical conference last summer. Our experiments measured how rapidly nuclear decay generated helium escape from tiny radioactive crystals in granite-like rock. The new data extend into a critical range of temperatures, and they resoundingly confirm a numerical prediction we published several years before the experiments. The helium loss rate is so high that almost all of it would have escaped during the alleged 1.5 billion year uniformitarian age of the rock, and there would be very little helium in the crystals today. But the crystals and granite rock presently contain a very large amount of helium, and the new experiments support an age of only 6,000 years. Thus, these data are powerful evidence against the long age of uniformitarianism and for a recent creation consistent with Scripture. After laborious research measuring helium loss in radioactive crystals called zircons, which are common in granite rock, and after reviewing all existing data on the helium subject, the rate team made this final conclusion. The zircons are young. The new data allow us to calculate more exactly how long the diffusion has been taking place. The result is 6,000 plus or minus 2,000 years, about 250,000 times smaller than the alleged 1.5 billion year uranium lead age. This and other exciting new developments and rate projects are confirming our basic hypothesis that God drastically speeded up decay rates of long half-life nuclei during the Genesis flood and other brief periods in the Earth's short history. Such accelerated nuclear decay collapses the uniformitarian ages down to the scriptural time scale of thousands of years. End of quote. Dr. D. Chittick, in his book, The Puzzle of Ancient Man, discusses in some detail the DNA chain to Mother Eve. Scientists have followed the trail of human DNA and discovered that all human life originated from just one woman, appropriately calling her Eve. Concerning the methodology used to date the DNA chain to Mother Eve, Chittick explains, How was this date of 200,000 years obtained? Over time, mutations occur in the DNA of humans and other animals. How many mutations have occurred since Eve? How fast do mutations occur? In other words, what is the rate at which the mitochondrial DNA clock runs? 
if the number of mutations since Eve were known, and if the mutation rate was also known, then one could calculate how long ago a mitochondrial Eve lived. Because of their evolutionist worldview and their belief that humans had been here for a million years or more, those who investigated the mitochondrial DNA attempted to calibrate the clock in accord with their belief system. Only by speculating or hypothesizing about the past could a clock rate be obtained because no actual rates for the mitochondrial clock had been observed. Chittick continues his dissertation and goes on to quote Ann Gibbons as she wrote in the January 2, 1998 excuse me, issue of Science. The title of the Gibbons article is Calibrating the Mitochondrial Clock, Chittick writes. What has been the result of further investigation since the 1988 and 1995 results were published? An interesting subsequent development has been calibration of the mitochondrial DNA clock by using actually observed data rather than by using speculations from evolutionism. The result has shown that the clock ticks very much faster than expected, and Gibbons reports. Mitochondrial DNA appears to mutate much faster than expected, prompting new DNA forensics procedures and raising troubling questions about the dating of evolutionary events. In 1991, Russians exhumed a, Sabi a Siberian grave containing nine skeletons thought to be the remains of the last Russian Tsar, Nicholas II, and his family and his retinue who were shot by a firing squad in 1918. But two bodies were missing, so no one could be absolutely certain of the identity of the remains. And DNA testing done in 1992 expected to settle the issue quickly instead raised a new mystery. The mystery concerned dates relating to the clock rate. It appears that mutations occur at a much more rapid rate than has been imagined. Although there seems to be considerable debate about the cause of the faster rate, the faster rate has been verified by independent investigations, again Gibbon says. Regardless of the cause, evolutionists are most concerned about the effect of a faster mutation rate. For example... Researchers have calculated that mitochondrial Eve, the woman whose mtDNA was ancestral to that in all living people, lived 100,000 to 200,000 years ago in Africa. Using the new clock, she would be a mere 6,000 years old. End of quote. Evolutionists challenge the concept of man living contemporaneously with dinosaurs and claim no fossil evidence links their existence. These folks have been reading faulty information. Human footprints have frequently been found in ancient strata. What fully appear to be human footprints have been found in rock from as early as the Carboniferous period. This, of course, doesn't jibe well with evolutionary theology because man is only supposed to be as old as about a million years, but the Carboniferous period is purported to have occurred some 250,000 million years ago. The following excerpts are from a periodical, Scientific American, in an article written by Alan Ingalls titled, the Carboniferous Mystery. It's referring to human footprints, and it reads, On sites reaching from Virginia and Pennsylvania through Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, and westward toward the Rocky Mountains, prints similar to those shown above, he's referring to uh, several accompanying pictures, and are from 5 to 10 inches long, have been found on the surface of exposed rocks, and more and more keep turning up as the years go by. Ingalls continues, If man or even his ape ancestor, or even that ape ancestor's early mammalian ancestor existed as far back as in the Carboniferous period in any shape. 
then the whole science of geology is so completely wrong that all the geologists will resign their jobs and take up truck driving. Hence, for the present at least, science rejects the attractive explanation that man made these mysterious prints in the mud of the Carboniferous period with his feet. Engels and his colleagues reject this information because it contradicts their preconceived notions, notions that are simply not provable because they are not true. Roland Byrd, a paleontologist from the American Museum of Natural History, examined rocks bearing remarkable human footprints that were discovered in a crustaceous claimed to be around 100 million years old limestone formation near Glen Rose, Texas. The following is his statement as published in a 1939 issue of Natural History. Yes, they apparently were real enough, real as rock could be, the strangest thing of their kind I had ever seen. On the surface of each was splayed the near likeness of a human foot, perfect in every detail, but each imprint was 15 inches long. End of quote. Reminds me of Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days. See giants on the earth and giants too on this website. After a thorough thrashing and after all their straw men are aflame, they revert to the starlight defense. The basic argument is that if some stars are as much as 12 billion light years from the earth and we see their light, doesn't that prove that the universe is billions of years old? The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature article, Starlight and Age of the Universe. What if Einstein's theory of general relativity and the speed of light being constant were wrong? Scientist Yo Maggio has been making news since he challenged Einstein's theory in 1995. He challenged Einstein just as Einstein had challenged Newton before him. A major feature story concerning Maggio and his challenge was recently published in the April 2003 edition of Discover Magazine. The following excerpt is from that article. But Maggio never liked the inflation theory. The idea that the universe expanded from a subatomic moat in less than a billionth of a trillionth of a second seemed unlikely at best to him, and there are obvious problems with the theory. It relies on a mysterious inflationary field and a weird anti-gravity particle called an inflation, neither of which have ever been detected. Maggio decided there must be a better explanation, and on that wet winter morning eight years ago it came to him. Cosmologists wouldn't need to invoke inflation if they could bring themselves to give up one of their most sacrosanct laws. The speed of light is, it was, and ever shall be, 186,282 miles per second. Maggio now believes that for a few moments at the beginning of time, the universe's extreme heat made photons, particles of light, zip along much faster than 186,282 miles per second at almost infinite velocities. Then as the universe began to expand and cool, its physical properties abruptly changed, just as water suddenly transforms into ice at the freezing point. When the temperature dropped below a critical transition value, light froze, and the lower speed we now observe, end of quote. Scientist Maggio's new theory became known as the variable speed of light theory. The article continues. Maggio says his theory can match inflation's accomplishments and insists inflation rests on shaky ground. The inflationary field is a mysterious thing no one has ever seen, he says. VSL is exactly the opposite. We don't introduce anything new in the universe in terms of ingredients. We just say the physics were different early on. 
Besides, he says, it's unfair to compare a two-decade-old theory like inflation with his newborn brainchild. Things are normally not very pretty when they first come into the world. It's true of humans. It's true of everything. Then we start growing, a few hairs here and there. Then things start looking a bit better. Maggio's baby started looking much better two years ago. That was when a discovery by John Webb, an astronomer, at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, Australia, made headlines around the world. It read, if the results are correct, Turner says, this is certainly one of the most important discoveries in the last 100 years. Webb used data collected by the world's most powerful telescope, the Keck, perched on the summit of Mauna Kea, 13,796 feet up on the Big Island of Hawaii. He looked at light from 68 quasars, extremely bright young galaxies, as much as 12 billion light years from Earth. During the light's long journey to Earth, it passed through clouds of intergalactic gas. In doing so, the light's spectra changed, depending on the chemical elements in the clouds, end of quote. The Word of God, as you should suspect, answers the starlight age issue thoroughly and simplistically, again from starlight and the age of the universe. The answer to this question is surprisingly simple, and of course it is found in the Word of God. Slightly over 6,000 years ago, Adam was created by God a fully mature man, and Eve was made a fully mature woman. By today's standard, a man is fully developed around the age of 33. By today's standard, then, Adam opened his eyes for the first time and appeared to be about 33 years old, when in fact he was only seconds old. Eve opened her eyes a fully developed woman, but also only seconds old. All of God's creation was created fully mature and fully functioning. The seas and their tides and boundaries were created fully mature and fully functioning. The grass, herbs, trees, and tree-bearing fruit were created fully mature and fully functioning. On the fourth day of creation, God created the sun, moon, and stars, and set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. As in all of creation, they were fully mature and fully functioning. Not only was there purpose to give light and the energy of life, but also for signs, seasons, and for days of the years. The sunlight, moonlight, and starlight was created by God fully mature and fully functioning. Their lights were shining on the earth in the beginning of their creation at the very first moments. The light from some stars appears to be millions or even billions of light years away, but their light was fully mature and fully functioning on the very first day of creation, already here, giving light upon the earth and fulfilling their specific jobs. The light beam on the day of its creation appeared to be billions of light years old, when in fact it was just seconds, end of quote. Now a new scientific theory is beginning to line up, suggesting that in the beginning, the speed of light was not 186,282 miles per second, but rather almost infinite, in other words, fully mature and fully functioning. In all due respect to scientist uh, Yo Maggio, his idea is not entirely new. The following excerpt is taken from an article in the Journal of the Optical Science of America, August 1953, titled Binary Stars and the Velocity of Light. Listen to this. The acceptance of Riemannian space allows us to reject Einstein's relativity and to keep all the ordinary ideas of time and all the ideas of Euclidean space out to a distance of a few light years. Astronomical space remains Euclidean for material bodies, but light is considered to travel and remain in space. In this way, the time required for life to reach us from the most distant stars is only 15 years, end of quote. 
Was there really a beginning just over 6,000 years ago? Is there a record left in the earth? The answer is a resounding yes. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Man said, we just popped out of nothing and here we are. Or Buddha's statement, no origin can be perceived. Now you have the record.